Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everyone to Rock'em Radio. Uh, so this is a half episode of Dive Cuts because I'm your host, Sam Snelling. Uh, and as you can see... Nobody is here with me. Um, I wanted to talk about Kobe Brown being drafted. Uh, so as you can see right here, I've got the article from Rock'em Nation up on the screen. Kobe Brown was drafted by the Los Angeles Clippers at the end of the first round. Breaking news. Well, since Thursday, uh, Kobe Brown is a L.A. Clipper and a first round draft pick. Uh, so congratulations to Kobe, uh, his family. Um, we are certainly excited at Rock'em Nation um, and thank Kobe for everything that he did for the University of Missouri um, in his four years. So a uh, little bit of a different episode today. Uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I actually reached out to a, a person who knows a whole lot more about the Clippers than I do. I tried to write about uh, the Clippers yesterday. I hope I sort of succeeded and made sense to give you an idea of what that franchise is, uh, what they're sort of building around, and how Kobe might be able to fit in that. Um, that was my perspective, but I think that I have a uh, a guy uh, who is going to know way more about the Clippers and their situation and what Kobe Brown kind of might need for them. Uh, so I reached out to Law Murray. Uh, Law is a uh, bee writer, uh, and he's a little bit of a columnist, too. He does share his uh, his opinions um, at The Athletic. Uh, if you're familiar with most sports writing, you're probably familiar with The Athletic. 
Uh, we have had many writers from The Athletic on the podcast over the years, uh, and I have very recently started following Law and, and read his writings. He is a very insightful basketball uh, writer, uh, and I think you're going to like everything that he has to say. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at LawMurrayVNU, uh, and you can definitely follow his writings at The Athletic. Uh, there is a subscription for that. Um, but if you pay the subscription, you definitely get uh, some some great coverage, particularly of the NBA and the Clippers. Uh, thanks a lot. So without further ado, here's the interview. And I'd like to welcome into the podcast, Law Murray. Uh, Law has been uh, covering the Los Angeles Clippers for one of my favorite publications, The Athletic. Uh, and he has some opinions on the Clippers and... <laughs> and their drafting of, of Kobe Brown. And so we wanted to get him on the podcast and, and sort of find out uh, what to make of uh, the Missouri forward Kobe Brown and his fit uh, with his new NBA club, the Los Angeles Clippers. Law, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a week, so it's nice the draft is in the rear view, uh, but free agency is coming up, so we're getting ready for that as well. Yeah, uh, as we were kind of talking before we came on, the NBA offseason is often uh, just as, if not uh, more busy for uh, for writers and fans than, uh, you know, than during the season. Because in the season, you're just kind of in the repetition of game, 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 game. You know, who's hurt, who's healthy, all that kind of stuff. But once you get into the, the roster construction stuff, everything kind of goes crazy. Yeah, uh, and the thing is, like, you're there's always noise with the NBA season, but the off season is funny because you get all these people talking about paper teams, you know, and they, no one's lost a game yet. So hope springs eternal. Yeah. And then what you have is you got a whole bunch of people talking about the league. There's no game that's going on. And come November, people going to be like having the same conversations, but, they don't have the same energy as far as watching the game. So, you know, I appreciate people who actually watch. Um, and if you pay attention, this is the time of the year where you'll see who's been watching and who's just been talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh that that is true. Um so the casual fans probably know that the Clippers are uh very sort of focused around their two big stars in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, what else sort of made the Clippers the, a team that, that fit into, I believe they were the fifth seed in the Western Conference playoffs. Is that correct? They, they were. They were so, fifth seed. And so what made the Clippers uh, that good despite kind of fighting through, uh, you know, quite a bit of games where, you know, uh, George and, and Leonard weren't available? I mean, to call the Clippers good last year is a huge compliment for them. Um, one that I don't think that you'd, find a whole lot of people describing them the same way like mm -hmm. they were good in the sense that they finished over 500 they were they were about as uninspiring a playoff team as there was in the entire league like they were 17th in offense and 17th in defense every other team in the league was at least on the plus half of the league in one of those two categories so i mean you look at the end of the year and it's like, yeah, they, they, they finished over 500. They outscored their opponents barely by half a point a game. So 
they were good because they were just that more talented. Like they they had talent advantages. It's just as simple as that. The primary one being Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I don't even want to give Paul. I, I want to give Paul some credit, but you can't give Paul all the credit because in the games that Paul George played without Kawhi after Thanksgiving, I think there was maybe one game all year that they won in in those circumstances. And yeah, you can fact check me if you want to. I had to watch. <laughs> I had to watch the team all year. So uh, if I don't sound all that inspired like if I if I if I sound like man I, I saw this team it felt like they were losing um it, it felt like they it was a grind all year just to have dudes stay on the same page so what I can tell you is the first quarter of the year when Kawhi missed most of his time uh the defense was really good the offense was one of the very worst in the NBA which was mind-blowing considering the talent on the floor, even without Kawhi, but defensively, they were great. In the last three quarters of the year, the offense approached top five levels, and that was a mix of talent. That was a mix of the head coach, Toronto, knowing what he wants to do, and it was a mix of the depths. Like, they had guys, even when players were out, even when they blew up the team midseason and brought in four new rotation players, they knew what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it offensively after a while. But then the defense got off track. And I think that kind of played out in the playoffs. Unfortunately, the other thing that played out in the playoffs is the unavailability of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Paul missed the entire postseason. Kawhi was great in game one where the Clippers stole whole court advantage. Kawhi played hurt in game two in Phoenix. And Kawhi never made it back after that. He had a torn meniscus that we learned last week that he had a procedure done earlier this month. And that's been the story of the Clippers, unfortunately, for beyond this past year. So um, bottom line is the Clippers have two of the best wings in the NBA. They had been one of the deepest teams. The new CBA might change that. And that's why the draft is a little bit more important for the Clippers. I think that's why they targeted a player like Kobe Brown, who... I'll be real, like, considering some of the players available, there are probably better developmental prospects. But Kobe Brown is a player that you could talk yourself into and say he is ready to be a pro and probably more ready to contribute to an NBA team than some other players that they could have drafted uh, in his spot. And, I, you know, I think that's a good a good point, you know, because I was – I'll, you know, I'll be surprised, uh, or I'll, I'll be honest, I was surprised that he went in the first round at all. Um, you know, I, having watched Kobe Brown for four years, uh, I think I have a good handle on his game, and I, I, I think he's a guy who can, you know, become a very good NBA player. But it does sort of, it, it looks like this was a move by the Clippers, uh, you know, from the outside in a very win-now mentality, and to buy a very plug-and-play piece and a guy that they're going to be able to count on right away because it, it does sort of seem like you know any sort of window that they have to, uh, to compete for a championship with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George may be closing. Yes, I mean, the window is, is an objective term right now. Those guys can opt out of their contracts in 2024, that, that offseason. They are extension eligible now, but history tells us that Paul is probably more likely to 
agree to something like that. Uh, what sacrifices he might make are to be determined, but I don't think you can build your offseason around whether Paul George accepts an extension or not because he's extension eligible in September, whereas Kawhi, history tells us Kawhi is going to wait until free agency to maximize his negotiating uh, leverage, and he's extension eligible next month. Well, he's literally recovering from surgery uh, this summer, so that kind of puts it into some kind of perspective. And so the window is one year. Like those guys, when they last signed their contracts, they lined them up for it to be a three-year window. And the first year that window was going to be a wash anyway because Kawhi was going to be recovering from ACL surgery. They did not know that Paul George was also going to miss the majority of the season with his own just completely unlucky injury, having Yusuf Nurkic, one of the biggest players in the NBA, following his arm in a December game in Portland. So that it, that that was the first year of the window. Last year, with Kawhi coming back with this incredibly deep team, not just to start the year, but they got Russell Westbrook out of a buyout and started him uh, with all the guys that they wanted, even if they didn't get Russ. So you're talking about a team that, was incredibly deep and thought that they had enough to make some real noise. And perhaps if Paul and Kawhi were available to play and to finish a postseason series, they could have really made things interesting. But we have to operate in the what is, not the what if. And what is, is this is the last year of the window for not just the stars, but possibly for the head coach, Toronto Lou, uh, possibly for the front office. If things... If the worst case scenario happens, you could see a scenario where the front office probably is not going to be building the team after that. So uh, the ceiling is pretty high for this team, but the floor is also pretty low. And you, you got to play for one year. There, that that's how it, the approach is for everybody. So from uh, fr- from your perspective, you know what were the missing pieces for this team? You know, taking away like let's just say like this upcoming season, you're going to get you know, 85 to 90% of what you want from uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. To me, like, based on the last few years, that that seems on the high range of what I think the front office might want. You know, if you can get 90% of what, you, uh, what you're what you hoping for, I think that's, that's, that's a good thing. Um, what else do the Clippers need to be, you know, competitive and, and to be able to maybe challenge the, you know, the, the, the champions in Denver? Well, athletic size is something that I've been talking about with the Clippers ever since the trade deadline where they did not um, actually make an improvement at the at the power forward spot. Uh, Marcus Morris has been a longtime starter uh, ever since a midseason trade right before the pandemic. Uh, harbinger of things to come, I guess. But um, <laughs> the, the thing with Marcus is he fits the stars when he was at his best because when those guys are on the floor, he's a top-level shooter willing to do the dirty work as far as be physical, uh, stand up for his teammates on the floor, things like that. Uh, The version of Marcus that the Clippers saw increasingly as the season went on was a player in decline, which makes sense. Like We're talking about a player, Marcus Morris, who... He's on the other side of 30. It's not like he was a plus athlete coming out of Kansas in the first place. 
So if a guy is starting to show signs of wear in his 12th NBA season, there's a reason for that. And so the shooting that was a plus with the stars started to fade. Um, Marcus is really good at getting to his mid range. Um, but he started to get trigger shy after the all-star break. And that started to affect everybody else because Marcus is not a player who is the biggest guy or the best rim protector, but he also isn't a guy who has a particular nose for the ball or, or quickness on the perimeter. So if you want a power forward, that is, I don't care what level of position list you're thinking, you need size at that spot because while some teams might be small, some teams might look at the power forward spot as a glorified small forward position, other teams are lining up Giannis Adenokounmpo. Other teams are lining up LeBron James at that spot. Other teams are lining up Aaron Gordon, okay, who is not just big, but he's athletic, right? Yeah. And the swing thing for that spot is we're not talking about the NBA of 20, 25 years ago where your power forward could be short, big, and unskilled. Like, those guys are playing because of skill level. Like, Giannis is not a great shooter, but Giannis is an outstanding playmaker. So when you double him, he can he is finding teammates. LeBron James is LeBron James. Even in a depressed state of his athleticism, he's still a plus athlete for a 6'9", 250-pound dude and one of the best passers we've ever seen from a primary score. And then you got Aaron, who, look, Aaron Gordon was a top-five pick. He might not have been an all-star in Orlando, but what that dude can do is dribble pass and shoot at an adequate level and then when you consider the fact that he's no longer a one or two option in Orlando but more of a four option or really fourth option at best like that's scary because that dude can make passes like how many times did Jabal Murray's defender have his head turning Aaron Gordon hit you with a perfect bounce pass how many times did Aaron Gordon was Aaron Gordon ignored on the perimeter and he hit multiple threes in a quarter to go with the fact that he can put the ball on the floor, to go with the fact that Nikola Jokic is running point at the nail and hitting the cutting Aaron Gordon or hitting him for a lob on the baseline, that's 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 tough. That's the position that you need to account for in today's NBA. A guy who's big enough to deal with those type of players but skilled enough to be contributing to his team's offense but also athletic enough to be able to play a perimeter game defensively outside the paint. That's a lot to consider. And so for the Clippers, they've always gone for relative size, but skill. They haven't really gone for athletes at the four over the last several years. That's always what I felt like they've needed. They they needed more athletic size at a position that we already know they're going to prioritize skill at. And Kobe Brown got picked, not because he's the biggest, not because he's most athletic, but because his skill set is what I would consider pro-ready. Well, yeah, so, so let's talk about Kobe Brown and, and sort of how he fits. Um, like, are the Clippers at this point sort of viewing uh, Kobe as a guy who can step in and, and, you know, potentially be like a top eight rotational guy? Uh, or are they looking that this is as just as much of a long-term bet with, you know, like I think he can sign up to like a four-year deal, a guy that can sort of, you know, bridge, uh, you know, into that like, you know, back of the bench rotation into – uh, you know, that top eight role if somebody gets hurt. 
I think top eight is ambitious for any rookie drafted outside of the lottery on any team, but especially the Clippers, especially the way Teron Lue runs his rotation. Like, like T. Lou literally had guys like Robert Covington and Amir Coffey in mothballs this year. Like, Kobe Brown would be a successful NBA player to have the young player trajectory of an Amir Coffey or the overall career of someone like Robert Covington, who was on both of those guys were undrafted, but they turned themselves into players who were, were better than first rounders in their respective drafts. And so with Kobe Brown, the hope from the front office is one thing that he can become a contributor, but I don't even think the front office is going to go as far as to say, Kobe Brown's going to be one of our top eight players as, as a rookie. Like that would be, that would be either really great or it would be a sign of some catastrophe. So yeah. I don't think that even the front office is looking at that high of a pecking order for a any rookie, especially Kobe Brown. The I think the goal for Kobe Brown is if an opportunity for him presents itself to be in the second unit under T. Lou and he can be in that second unit and perform well, that would be a huge win. I think Teron Lou historically does not play rookies. Uh, rookies don't get much of a chance, but that is not to say that they are just not going to get a chance from day one. Uh, Musa Diabate was a second-round pick signed to a two-way contract last year, but he got a chance in January to get some second-unit minutes. Um, it didn't go well, and they wound up maxing out Moses Brown's two-way days, knowing that they were going to let Moses Brown go when he hit the limit and when they were able to acquire a real backup center via the trade market, which is what they did with Mason Plumley, who Mason Plumley has an interesting free agency coming up because the Clippers have bird rights on him and they can't possibly go into the season like they went in the last year, not having a real backup center at all. So with Kobe Brown, it's really a matter of Stay ready because you don't know when the opportunity will come, whether it's injuries, whether it's roster composition. You have to, if, if, if you're Kobe Brown, like you, you have to be ready for when that door opens. Just understand the door. It might not open immediately. Uh, it, it, he's, he's going to be a rookie. I don't care that he's a four-year guy. I don't care that he's going to be 24 in January. He's a rookie. So it's going to be the same thing. You got to show and earn the trust of the coaching staff and his teammates. And then if that opportunity presents itself, be ready to take advantage of it. So I think, you know, the adjustment for, uh, at least from my perspective, for for Kobe is maybe going to be less on the offensive end and probably a lot more on the defensive side. Uh, he's a really, really smart offensive basketball player. He facilitated a good amount of the Missouri offense from the pinch post. Uh, so he's used to different roles. He's he's played different roles throughout his college career. But I've always kind of thought like where he struggles at times is is defensively. Um, how is Kobe's like? How is he going to be able to sort of fit in defensively? And what sort of like role is he going to be at? Like, is is that something that he's really going to have to to focus heavy on and and being a good uh, NBA defender? Hundred percent because rookies are going to have their biggest adjustment in terms of the speed of the game. That's something that Lawrence Frank cited Thursday night after the draft. I asked this question because you can tell me why you picked the guy. I want to know what are going to be 
the swing factors to that player being successful in the short term and the long term. And for Kobe Brown's feet of the game is going to be massive on the other end of the floor, considering the Clippers saw him play center last year. And even if it was a five out offense, like again, like Kobe Brown was the biggest dude in that starting lineup uh, at, at Missouri. So like, you're going from playing center for a year to now you're going to go back to playing the four, which is pretty much what he was playing uh, when Martin was the head coach at Missouri. Like I, I looked, it's like there was always someone taller than Kobe Brown in the starting lineup under Martin. That wasn't the case last year. Uh, and so when you're playing the four in college, not as much pressure because the spacing isn't the same. The skill of the guys that you're guarding isn't the same. Not all of these coaches are out the Stone Age yet. You're getting there, but not quite there yet, right? NBA and and the game is so much slower in college, both because of the shot clock and because of, again, just how these teams play. Like, there are a lot of walking up teams in college, right? Like, unless you get to the West Coast, get to the West Coast and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, nobody's up. We're going we gonna to run because ain't nobody watching. It ain't. I'm telling you, temperature, I feel like temperature plays a role in how teams play. Like, that's how it is. But look, when the NBA, it's, look, there's spacing, which means that it exposes the guys on the ball in the actions more than anything else. Oh, they're going to identify you, you're in a pick and roll. And either you can defend that pick and roll, or they're going to do it over and over and over again. If you are in a pick and roll, they might not even tell the big to, roll hard they might say nah we're gonna get this switch and that's the thing the Clippers they like to mix up their defenses but if you're gonna be on a team that plays that kind of style you need to understand the adjustments and understand you might be in man on one possession they might switch to a zone we might be dropped and then we might be hedging and recovering we might switch you have to be able to pick up on all of that and then you gotta guard all of these different skill sets so Kobe Brown might be on a stretch four, or he might be on a, a, a wing who is drive-oriented, or he's going to have some lineups where he's at the five, and he's going to have to be in a drop. Or You're probably not dropping with Kobe Brown in the NBA. Like that, I, I feel like that would be stupid, personally. Like Kobe's not a shot blocker. He never was. Uh, what you want to do, what I liked about Kobe Brown defensively is that he had active hands. He got his he he was able to make plays and he's he's got length I don't know if I like his movement skills as much but he's big he should be physical and his hands making plays is how he can contribute at the NBA defense as long as he can defend without fouling so the adjustment will be there now you got to learn the playbook you need to learn the actions understand where your opportunities will come in I think the big thing for Kobe Brown is adjust to that three-point line. Uh, I think Kobe Brown, the ironic thing is, under Martin, he never shot the three well. He plays the five, and then all of a sudden, he's a 40% three-point shooter. He doesn't get drafted in the first round without that. Right? I mean, I don't know if he gets drafted at all if he doesn't shoot the three as, at, at the high clip that he did this past year. I mean, not just to shoot 45%. But to do it with the with significant volume, uh, I think that like that was huge. I think he hit more threes as a senior than he did 
in his first three years combined. That got, that that is huge. That is his swing set. They're not going to ask Kobe Brown to facilitate offense primarily. They're not. They're certainly not going to ask Kobe Brown to look for his own. Kobe Brown is going to be there offensively to space the floor, hit his shots, but also to be in actions as a connector, take advantage of the fact that he has this high Q, great feel for the game, solid passing ability. Uh, but you can they can survive that if he's a little slow offensively. You get on the floor and you stay on the floor because you can defend your position, and they're going to ask him to defend multiple positions even though they're focusing him as a power forward. So uh, I wanted to kind of ask this as, as I guess a little bit of our our you know last part. We're going to try to wrap this up a little bit, but um, you know, in reading some of your uh, your posts in the Clippers recently, you have been you know at, at least from what I've seen fairly critical of of you know the organization some of their moves um like how would you rate this most recent draft you know did you like the the the, the pick of kobe brown uh i know I, I know we discussed a little bit beforehand before we went, went live that uh you know you certainly had questions about their second round pick um, but how would you sort of rate what the the front office has done with this draft and and you know so far like this most recent offseason? I I think it's hard for me to grade any draft when it's when it's done because like what's the point? Like guys are going to be having their careers and everything, and I love draft. I'll, I'll grade the draft five years from now. Um, I'm I'm never the type to. I'm rarely. I will grade this one. I'll, I'll, I'll say right now it is a C for me. Uh, I really like the players. In a vacuum, I like the players. Kobe Brown is skilled. You know, he can dribble, pass, and shoot. Uh, he was productive for four years. He has the character of someone who you know he's going to come in and he's going to work. Uh, I, those are all things where I was like, man, if Kobe Brown is available here or if he's available there, I was like, I can see them picking him. I can see them liking him. I can see how he fits. I didn't think the Clippers should draft a center, but I wrote that if they were to draft a player who played center this past year, you got to consider who they drafted a year ago, Musa Diabate, who played power forward next to Hunter Dickinson in Michigan, but is now being trained as a center. Those guys are complimentary. So you drafted two bigs in the last two drafts, they have complementary skill sets. Kobe Brown has the skill to play the perimeter, to play the four, and then Musa Diabate has a little bit more height, and and you can see him being a little bit more successful as a five offensively, and then defensively, Musa's got the length and and the ability to possibly defend at the five, but he's also switchable. Whereas Kobe Brown, I'm not sure how switchable he is. He's got some size though. He's got some bulk to him that Musa Diabate. They would love to get some meat on that kid's bones. So in the in a vacuum, it's like uh, Kobe Brown is a is a player that makes sense for the Clippers. Jordan Miller is a player that makes sense for the Clippers. A, a really productive player in college, a guy who has high basketball character, someone who can already you can see him being a good role player because he was a high level role player at the U. Like it's not like Kobe Brown or Jordan Miller were either team's first options. You know, they had guys who were a whole lot more shot heavy to play with. In Kobe Brown's case, it was Des Moy Hodge, a guy who played, he played with, with Des Moy Hodge. And it's like, 
you're looking at the more I have to get all these free throw attempts and 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 kind of take that heavy role in the offense. But Kobe Brown still found a way to contribute across different levels offensively. The only the the main issue I had with the Clippers draft is they drafted two older players to a, a win now veteran team, and there were especially in the first round there were prospects who they could have drafted who might have a higher long-term ceiling, probably aren't as good in the short term, probably not as NBA ready. But the question there is, will Kobe Brown actually get the opportunity to justify why you use a draft pick on him? And I'm going to look at Kobe Brown and Leonard Miller. I'm not going to be the only one. I thought Leonard Miller with his draft slip, it was like, well, the Clippers, they're either going to draft Leonard Miller or they're going to look at Leonard Miller and say, he does not fit what we want. And it was the latter. Uh, Kobe Brown fitted what they wanted. The question now is, will Kobe Brown be able to fulfill that in the short term? Uh, Letter Miller being the G League uh, Ignite uh, sort of forward center prospect, y- younger guy. Um, yeah, maybe much younger. Yeah, much star prospect last year. He was a teenager. Yeah, so uh, a 19-year-old versus you know a, a kid who's, I think Kobe's like 23, turned 24, yeah. and, you know, so he's like much, 24 in January. Yeah, it's like a much, much older prospect, I think. And and the the Clippers, uh, I I think if my research was correct on this, had like drafted the two oldest uh, players. The only other guy that was close was uh, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, who I think went like who barely got drafted. Yeah. Yeah, Trace was very upset about not getting drafted higher and – all I can say about Trace Jackson is another guy who's on my list, but certainly not as a first-round pick. Like anyone thinking of Trace Jackson Davis as a first-round pick in today's NBA is just not paying attention. Uh, besides the fact that Trace is older, uh, I mean Trace had the same playmaking chops that Kobe Brown had. I felt like, but Kobe Brown had, you know, Kobe Brown learned how to shoot threes efficiently. Trace Jackson Davis made as many threes at Indiana in four years as you and I did. That's it. Zero. Like, like you, you gotta be able to, and, and he's a, a six, eight player. Like his movement skills aren't great for a six, eight center. And that's, that's tough. So I think that dude's a bucket that dude can, can put your shoulder, put a shoulder into your chest and, and get his. And because he passed the ball at such a high level, he has a complimentary skill when you take away whatever he does as a score. But it's hard for a six eight dude who has he, forget the threes. He didn't even have a mid range game. He never shot seventy percent from the free throw line. Those are all difficult things. So it's like, how well are you going to be efficient at being six eight against dudes who are going to be taller? And how well do you hold up defensively? Even though he was an outstanding shot blocker at Indiana and the son of a great defender in in Dale Davis. A guy like Tracy Jackson Davis, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to project your success when you are no longer bigger than the guys that you're going to be playing against. That's what's the case in the Big Ten. That's translates. With Kobe Brown, if Kobe Brown had the same profile, Kobe's not we're not talking about Kobe Brown today. We're just not. But Kobe Brown got drafted high because besides the fact that he can finish at a high level and pass at a high level, that dude learned how to shoot the three at a high level. That's gonna be his swing set to success in the short term, and in the long term in the NBA. Well, Law, I appreciate your time on this. Um, you can you can follow Law on Twitter uh, if you want. Uh, he is at Law Murray, the N-U. Uh, 
Um, any any uh, any reason the NU is on on tacked on the end there? Yeah, the networks united. NU networks united. I, I when I when I put that together, I wanted to. That was the energy I wanted to put out. I wanted to uh, be someone who fostered that kind of environment uh, with all the things that I was working on. So uh, glad you asked. Like that's that that's why. Um, and you know, new new sounds like something that's fresh and um, networks is something that you got to refresh all the time. So I just felt like that was going to be a part of uh, my branding way back when I was twenty three. <laughs> Well, hey, I, I I love it. I I respect it. Um, and I I've enjoyed getting to know your writing over like the you know the last really just few days. We're recording this on Monday. Uh, Kobe was drafted on Thursday, so I've had like three whole days to like get caught up on your writing. You're a great writer. Uh, I again I appreciate your time uh, joining us today. Uh, we will be following your work because we we gotta see what this this uh, kid from uh, from Alabama is gonna do out in L.A. And I'm looking forward to it. We're going to meet him Saturday. Uh, we're going to be in Vegas next week. Things are going to go by real quick, and I'm sure he's probably tired. Uh, I've been around so many guys, um, you know, personally and professionally. I've been around this pre-draft process uh, for a long time. These guys are tired. They go from playing the college season to getting ready for the draft, all the travel involved, all the angst, you know, to get drafted, to know where you're going, that's a relief. But then you got to physically put in the work and show what you're made of. Uh, it's it, it, it's a lot, but I'm looking forward to seeing where he's at in in this part of the process. Yeah, uh, I think we all are honestly. Like I, I I said in my piece uh, yesterday, I was I was surprised he went in the first round. I'm excited for him because you know, like being around the Missouri program, I know uh, like how much people in and around Missouri, like love Kobe Brown because of what kind of kid he is. Uh, so I'm really, I'm, I'm excited for him to kind of, to, to, you know, tick that box and, and be able to say he's a first round NBA draft pick. Uh, and I hope he has a really, really great NBA career. Cause I, I, I think it's there on, on the platform. I think he can do it, but that league's tough, man. It's, it's a deep league with a lot of great players and, um, and I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that he'll get it done. Um, yeah. but lot. Thanks again, man. I appreciate your time on this. Uh, really great stuff. We'll be, we'll be following you and, and, and looking forward to everything that you have to say. Hey, thank you, Sam, for having me. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Again, I want to say thank you very much to Law Murray for his time uh, and his efforts in explaining everything uh, about the... Los Angeles Clippers, uh, definitely an organization with a lot to prove this year. Uh, we hope the best for them because that usually will mean good things for Kobe Brown as well. Um, you'll get to watch a really fascinating offseason, see what they do to sort of backfill the roster, uh, and see if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can stay healthy enough to uh, help Kobe Brown contend for a championship. Um, so with that all being said, thanks everybody for tuning in. Um this is a, uh, a subscription video on uh, YouTube now. If you uh, click the subscribe button down below, uh, certainly you can get notified when a, a new video pops up. Uh, coming up this week also will be another uh, new episode of For the Box Score. And we have new things coming down the pike uh, very, very soon. Very excited about the future of this channel. Um, if you are getting this through... Apple Podcasts with the Google Play Store uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, thank you for subscribing. Please uh, please make sure you are subscribed if you're not already uh, and leave any any comments and reviews that you have for us uh, as we sort of forge forward in the, the new era of podcasting. Um, you can follow me on Twitter if you want, at uh, Sam T. Snelling. Make sure you do follow Law Murray, at uh, Law Murray, VNU. Uh, and you will get great Clipper coverage and, and plenty to learn about what, what Kobe Brown is doing these days. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we will be back with a new episode of Dive Cuts next week.